This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger County Cricket Podcast and a pleasure to say we are joined on the show tonight by North Hants bowler, former Yorkshire bowler, Ben Sanderson. Sander, how are you? I'm good, thanks, yourself. Yeah, not too bad. And you, you seem to be having a nice, decent season. Uh, yeah, it started slowly, but it's kicked in nicely last sort of May time. So I'm, I'm enjoying myself. And uh, as always, we're joined by Knuckle Pandey and the Fan Badgers, the house band and Knuckle. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, James. Nice to have a little bit of test cricket back as well as uh, as well as plenty of good county stuff as well. And the blast to look forward to this week, uh, plus another test match. So plenty happening. It's all good. I don't get me started on that because this is the county cricket podcast. But all of the negative fallout from that test match, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Two very good sides going against each other and there was a load of negativity on the final day. Bumble says it's the worst test he's ever watched. It's not even the worst test match that I've watched between these two teams almost certainly I, I one reply to Bumble on Twitter was um, there were worse ones when you were in charge of the team when you were head coach but uh, we'll, we'll leave that one alone Philip Law welcome back our Essex uh, fan badger how are you? I'm very well thank you um, thank you for having me back have you been playing cricket you've been regaling us in the past oh. with all of your various uh, heroics not in Sunday's class I don't think quite are you? I've had a few a few games. We had a super over day, and uh, we, what, a day just playing super overs. Super overs. There were around eight teams. It, it just meant we could cram more crushing defeats into <laughs> in, in into time. But yeah, it was a good day. Uh, it was a long day, and then I had to umpire the final, which ended up being a tie. And we all then had to go and check the rules to work out who had won. It was a good day. There's surely only a certain kind of range of defeats in the Super Over. You can't, you can't have too crushing a defeat in the Super Over, can you? I bowled an absolutely fantastic over where I was I, I was only smashed for six. And uh, we managed to contrive to lose that game, much to the devastation of two under-15s I'd sent in to chase them down. And uh, yeah, pro- possibly traumatised them. So that's one level of defeat. And the other one was one of my colleagues got smacked for 36 off of a 
six ball over. Uh, sorry, 37 off of a six ball over. He 37? 37. He chucked in a few extras just to help them out. Uh, and the chap that went in with some of the largest biceps I've ever seen made very short work of him. So it was, uh, there's, there are different ways to be crushed in, in super over cricket. Sunday, what's the most you've ever been hit for in an over? Oh, I don't know, but I was probably close to that heading there when Lively was going at me. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you were, you were part of that when you when he got what, 161 or something he got? Yeah, he was. Yeah, it's a record I'm not quite proud of. I've been one of the highest in the in the game in a T24 overs. But yeah, I tended to stop looking at the scoreboard after about three balls. <laughs> well, I'm very sorry to bring that back up again. We'll move on very quickly. Daniel Kelly, um, your first appearance is a fan badger. You've been on a few of our podcasts in the past. But welcome to this one. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, first county appearance to go with some national stuff and some IPL stuff. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to give the floor to you, Dan, because you are going to take on Ben Sanderson. You're going to fire these quick questions at him. We'll see how quick the answers are and you can uh, go. The floor is yours. Right. So, Ben, first thing that comes into your head, no, not too much thinking about it. Are we ready? Go for it. A bit generic first one. Best batsman you've ever bowled at? Oof. Routine. Fastest bowler you've ever faced? Pat Cummins. Would you rather go around with Anthony Joshua or facing over a bouncer from Pat Cummins without a helmet? Uh, oh, Joshua, probably. A brave man. If you could be one other cricketer for the day, who would it be and why? Uh, Virat Kohli. And probably just to see what it's like to be in his shoes, really. It's, uh, it's a different world for him, I think, than everyone else. Right. It's the World Cup final. You're bowling at AB de Villiers and he needs four to win off the last ball. What are you bowling him? Uh, I'll probably go for a wide Yorker. Brave. Hit that line. It's the World Cup final. You're batting against Jasper Bumrah. You need four to win off the last ball. What shot are you playing and where are you trying to hit him? Uh, me personally, I'm probably backing away and trying to slap him over uh, <laughs> over point. But I suppose the sensible answer would be to try and scoop him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Right, you're building an IPL team. You've got one overseas slot left. Josh Butler or Josh Cobb? Oh, I've got to go with Cobby, I know. He buys me a beer every now and again. Right. It's more trivia based this time. We've got um, some actual facts involved and it's called Sanderson v. Anderson. <laughs> so the first question, who has the better first class economy? Is it Sanderson or Anderson? I'm going to go for me. So Jimmy Anderson has a first class economy of 2.85. Your first class economy is 2.67. It's Sanderson. I'll take that one. Next one. Highest one day score, Sanderson or Anderson? Oh, I'll go for me again, I think. Do you know what yours is? Might be 30 odd or something like that. Sanderson with a, a solid 31. Jimmy Anderson with 28. It's Sander oh. again. <laughs> Dan, just to ju- jump in it, have you picked all of the all of the categories that make Ben the, the winner? Couldn't possibly reveal that. <laughs> <laughs> Who has the most T20 wickets? Is it Sanderson or Anderson? Go with James's theory and go with me again. I think. How many have you got? Do you know? I'm not a stat man, but probably 40 maybe. That might be a bit. So you've got 51. 51. Jimmy Anderson has got 41. So you're miles in front. Slight advantage. It's never available. <laughs> right. Final quick fire question from me. Tail Enders or the Cricket Badger podcast? Oh, obviously Cricket Badgers. Good man. Correct that's, answer. The final one was a correct answer. That's the most toadying set of questions I've ever heard, Dan. You've basically just, of, give, um, you've just set him up to show him how good he is. That's my repertoire done. I'll sit back now. Carry on. <laughs> well, well played, Daniel Kelly. That was a good I enjoyed that, actually. That's a good round. 
Who knows wins? Put your money where your mates are. There's over 25,000 players and over £1 million already won. The biggest community pot was £31,000. And there's over 12,000 leagues created. Download our free app and play against your friends and family with bragging rights and real money on the line. Who knows wins in a different league. Um, let's let's get on to you then, Sando, and obviously at Northampton now, but you, you're on the Cricket Manager podcast before, and we've gone through this a little bit, but you are at Yorkshire when I was at Yorkshire, and obviously the Yorkshire lad, you wanted to play for your, your home county, but then you had to go away from that county. You, you actually it went into the minor counties for a little bit, didn't you, before signing up for Northampton? How, how was that little journey through from uh, Yorkshire to Northampton? It was a difficult to start. It was something that I had to um, get over, really, is getting released from Yorkshire. From a young age, you're brought up to believe that Yorkshire is everything. That's the only team you can play for, and that sort of mentality, as is quite a lot of the counties, I I imagine. But initially, a bit of shock, and where am I going to go in my life? But then Kev gave me the opportunity. Kev Sharp gave me the opportunity to go to Shropshire. So I was a bit sceptical at first, but give it a go, and then enjoyed it down there, just playing cricket almost like a, just a higher level than club cricket, really. Like you're playing with the best club cricketers around. So, And did you have to get a proper job when you were doing that or were you still playing as a pro? Uh, yeah, I was working part-time with my dad on building sites, doing dry lining, ceilings, walls, you name it. It was pretty boring stuff, really. But it paid the bills while I was trying to pursue cricket again with Shropshire and trialling around the county. So it was necessary, really. And how did North Hunts come calling? Was it, you say trialling around the county, you obviously tried a few then, but North Hunts were the ones that picked you up. Uh, I initially went in 2013, I think, or 12. It might be 12 first. I went down just training, bowling in their nets in the winter. And I think Azarulla was there at the time who was a North Ants legend now. He was trialling at the same time and they signed him over me at the time, which was fair enough. He was an absolute wizard. We bowled 95 mile an hour if you wanted to, so couldn't really compete with that at the time. So that was my initial in there with North Ants and then sort of Shropshire came along, did well with them. Other counties started having a little look and playing second team cricket and played a couple of games against North Ants where Phil Rowe was coach and it all went from there really just kept in touch with Phil um, Sharpie tried to get me down at Worcester but they just got promoted to Div 1 at the time so they were looking at spending some money on an overseas or a senior bowler to try and keep them in Div 1 which is fair enough really and that's when Kev gave me a push to North Ants so I tried there again and then they gave me some sort of players you pay sort of contract if you like I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore with current rules and regs but it certainly worked out for me like just I think it was something like £100 a, a day in the first team and £50 in the second team something like that but it just paid for bills to hopefully get me in the shot window which is what I was thinking yeah, Phil gets more than that playing for his uh, in his Super Over League. Um, <laughs> and, and I always think, Sunday with uh, with professional cricketers, obviously from a kid, you're playing cricket and you're kind of going up, you're always kind of the big fish, aren't you? Because obviously you end up being a pro, so you, you're going to be playing quite nicely as you're going up and you're getting selected. Whether it's in the first team, second team or wherever, there's, there's a certain period, isn't there, where you kind of hit a wall a little bit and maybe you start to doubt yourself. And I guess when you got released by Yorkshire, that would have been that time, would it? Yeah, there's just a lot of people there, I suppose. When you get to that certain level where you need to play the higher standard at first-class cricket to get better, to see what it's all about, you're kind of stuck in the second team. Mm. So you're then kind of looking around, you'd see who's who's ahead of you, what have I got to be? And then there's a lot of 
obviously the big counties like Yorkshire have got bowlers coming out of every part of Yorkshire which is huge isn't it so it's remind the listeners who was around at the time at Yorkshire when you got released the, the people that were kind of you were competing for the shirts with um, I think the attack would have been obviously Pato was still there Rich Pyre were knocking about they'd just signed Plunkett and Brooks who else would have been there? OHD was still there at the time. Uh, then there was Moeen Ashraf coming up, and there's probably a few more, but I'm missing up. Can't think of. But and, and, and when they were signing Plunkett and Brooks, I mean, obviously that ended up being a masterstroke because they won two titles off the back of those two playing really well for them. Well, City was there as well, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, and Tim Bresden and Ian Brezzy. So yeah, there's that's some good, very good bowlers to try and get past in that one. But when when they signed Plunkett and Brooks, is that a moment when you hear that news and you start to think, well, that's kind of me gone down two two rungs in the pecking order here? They kind of told me that after. I kind of found okay. out they told me we're not sure. They told me they were trying to sign players basically, and then it just depends. So it kind of left me hanging for a couple of months, right towards the end of the season. And then they said, obviously, like we're not renewing your contract. You're they did say to me at the time it was financial. Mm. And then a couple of weeks later, they announced Plunkett and Brooks. I was like, Jesus, even my 20 grand go a long way here. Fair play. <laughs> they were put it on the roulette wheel and obviously came, yeah. came up trumps, didn't it? Um, yeah. Knuckle, over to you. Any questions for Stanley? Yeah, uh, the first question, you mentioned facing Pat Cummins. Did that come in the, what I'm going to refer to as the Stephen Crook game? Yes, it does. Yes. Tour matches aren't that much of a thing anymore, but Stephen Crook, who I know a little bit, um, scored 142 not out against the country of his birth, against the Tour Australians in in 2015, and you you batted with him for for a little bit of that uh, for that innings. What was that that day like? Because it was a pretty it was a pretty sort of delirious experience watching it from afar on, on social media, and particularly knowing Crookie a little bit. Uh, yeah, he was amazing. That like he was he was a different level to everyone else. Really, he we actually nearly made him follow on at one stage. They weren't having a best of summers. I think they'd already lost the the series four 0 at that stage. So I think Pat Cummins weren't selected in any of those games. So he was trying he was pushing to prove that he was he was good enough and quick enough basically. And Jesus evolved the speed of light to everybody. And Crookie just made him look like he was facing Steve-O, if you like, trying to ball bouncers. He was just kept whacking him into Rosette at Northampton and into the into the houses and stuff. It was amazing to watch. Better from the other end. But I was turning down a few singles. Did that did that make um, let's see the attack got the scorecard here Peter Siddle not that quick but quick enough Pat Cummins Shane Watson did that make them Mitch Marsh I guess as well who eventually who, uh, eventually got you out as, as well as a few of the other top order guys did that make them running a bit harder the fact that Stephen Crook was smashing them to, to all parts of the county ground um, you couldn't really tell with, with the others because they're that skillful they just don't like, I, f- I remember facing Mitch Marsh and thinking thank God Pat's off when my first thought thinking right, might actually be able to hit some now and not duck every ball and uh, then I just couldn't lay a bat on him he was just bowling top of off around that area and it was just nipping both ways he actually got me caught off my thigh pad at second slip or third slip I walked <laughs> <laughs> measure of revenge in the second innings Shane Watson LBW did he review it? Uh, I think he tried I think he went for the he went for it and then realised after walking off he smashed up the dressing room and I thought <laughs> <laughs> moving on from that from that wonderful day uh, back, in, back in 2015 I mean you're part of the North Ants team that won the kind of that scrappy sort of band of brothers North Ants team that won a couple of T20s along with you mentioned as a ruler North Ants not the not the richest county not the biggest county not the most fashionable county so what, what's it what's it like when that kind of momentum develops in a in a county that maybe isn't expected to, to win things that, that people didn't 
weren't talking about at the start of that certainly that first run to the t20 uh, to the t20 title what's it like when that when that momentum builds around the team yeah i think uh my first season with them was 2015 which was probably their worst year financially documented in the press about our, our chairman current chairman gav warren um saying they had to go around counting the toilet rolls before they put it out like saving that trying to save every little penny like the gates nearly closed and all this so for a club like that to get to the, i think they got to the final that year and lost in the final so for them to do that and i remember being in the dressing room after and the whole club was there down to so all the office staff that were in there were all in the dressing rooms quite big at warwickshire uh, just having a beer and really enjoying themselves like they they burnt it. It just felt like a proper family cricket club that you in your local village at the time. And then in 2016, when we did win it, it was just even better. Like because we had injury, no cash. Holly Stone got injured at that time. One of the big dogs who left that season as well at the end of that season. Richard Gleeson came in to replace him, who's turned out to be a very good bowler in all formats. Really, uh, he got injured, so it was left down to me to come in and, and kind of do it. Who nobody really put me forward for T20 at that, that stage at Northlands. So like just just having that bare bones squad and Rich pulling his hair out thinking who's going to play like if another one goes injured. Oh, we lost Siku Prasanna as well. He, he couldn't make the finals day. So that was another big loss. So Rob Keogh had to come in for him who was not known for his big hitting or spin bowling really in that. But then having beat a big star Knox team who had to leave one of their overseas players out just showed the difference in sort of levels that their club is at to where we are and we just felt like the pressure was off for us almost we've got no big star names coming through like they've got all these David Willie would have gone by then right yeah David would have left in, at the end of 2015 yeah Ben Duckett probably would have been our biggest name at the time the club had focused on white ball cricket which was fair enough to chuck all their cash but they did have towards that. So they got the likes of Levy, Richard Levy, Adam Rossington, Josh Cobb, Rory Kleinmelt at the time. They were all big white ball players and it gelled everybody else together, I think, in that format. Just having that knowledge. It was pretty special. Pretty special for, that, for the club that day. Final thing from me, but for now at least, for in terms of gelling things together, in terms of that creating that special atmosphere, a word on a word on your captain, Alex Wakeley, who's finally announcing his retirement. Obviously, an, an incredible figure for Northampton, a, a, a modern legend of, of county cricket, particularly in the Blast. But talk to me and the, the listeners about the, the impact that Alex has had at Northampton and on your career. He's a legend. He's a legend in Northampton. He's part of the furniture. Like, it's still strange now. Like, because he had a couple of weeks off before he announced it. It, um, it was strange walking into the dressing room and him, him not being there because he's, he's been there from 2015 when I was there, just sat in his spot opposite, always say mornings here. So it's, it is a huge difference without him there. And he's been amazing for the club, hasn't he? What he's, what he's done in, in like I say, the, when there were no cash and it's just him and 12 other blokes in the squad, basically, at some points, just trying to pull out every day in, day out results in four-day cricket white ball cricket and to win two T20 trophies and get to the final is, is an amazing, amazing achievement for him and I'm sure he'll never forget that. Blackratcricket.co.uk You've probably spent lockdown dreaming about scoring runs and taking wickets but let Black Rat Cricket kit you out and take you towards success. Blackratcricket.co.uk They've got a swanky new website and if you quote Badger when you check out you can get yourself 15% off blackratcricket.co.uk join the infestation 
Sando, looking at your first class averages, and Dan's already hinted at a few of them, but, but your first class average keeps going down. Um, you keep getting fifers, you keep taking wickets, you, I keep trumpeting you up on, on Twitter. Nobody seems to notice. And um, every time there's an England squad announced, Ollie Robinson, somebody else is, is, is brought in and, and you're kind of left in the, uh, in, the, in the shadows there. But 270 wickets for you, an average of 20.79. As I say, you keep taking fifers in the championship. And this new conference structure where there isn't that caveat of, well, it's all Division 2 wickets now. Do you think that helps you? Do you think you've still got a chance? Um, maybe, a slight chance. I do like the new format in terms of who you're playing against. You're playing against someone different every every year. I would have liked that one, at least one season in Div 1 mm. with North End. It's like, unfortunately, that didn't happen. But just to really put that sort of to bed, really, all this Div 1, Div 2, but I just turn up and just bowl at whoever's in front of me and try and get them out. It's just... What I've what I've done, and if it's not working out, I'm trying to be as economical as I can. Easy game, isn't it? Just bowl it and get them out. <laughs> Philip, over to you. Hi Ben. With the uh, current county championship format as it is, we now go into a into the uh, blast period and and the Royal London. How does the club and how do you gear up for that change of pace? What or what techniques do you use to get yourself ready for the for the for that change of pace? I think we were, we were quite lucky that a few young players stepped up last year in the Bob Willis Trophy for us batters wise. So it's added a bit of depth in a, in our batting. Um, so the likes of Josh Cobb and Richard Levy, who weren't selected in the four day stuff, have been able to just practice their sort of white ball stuff a lot more so it's probably helped them having that sort of squad but like signing Parnell for four day cricket and the white ball comps he's been rested like the last game so he's had a week or two off just trying to focus on his white ball but we've we've had discussions about what's best for myself who might play Adam Rossington who's captain of the four day stuff um, Safe Zabe who's coming through and it's just about uh, kind of sucking it up and trying to get as much as we can in these next three days we've had today off because we got back from Kent yesterday um, everybody's playing in a game tomorrow against Warwickshire I think it is so it's, it's not much time really to practice skills and that certainly a bowler needs like volume of Yorkers and slow balls just getting that feel again yeah so it's, it sounds like rolling with the punches really yeah, yeah you kind yeah. of just got to go with it I think you, you mentioned the youngsters there and obviously there's a lot been going on this week in social media and uh, and we'll touch on that later but how, how are the youngsters prepared for life as a professional cricketer nowadays and how does it compare to perhaps the guidance if you had any when you were a youngster I mean for, for example social media do you receive training now did you receive training back then do you, do you think the younger generations are, are more prepared for what's coming can I, yeah, can I just jump in there because I, I was obviously at Yorkshire when you were a youngster or coming or, or coming through weren't you and social media was only just coming in then Sandler, wasn't it when yeah, you yeah, when got, you come in, yeah, Twitter. I think Twitter was the first. I think after Facebook, but we got warned about who you had on Facebook by the PCA. The PCA are pretty pretty good at it um, in terms of getting ahead of things. Obviously, didn't sink in with some people, but yeah, Twitter weren't. Twitter came into it sort of what 2010 maybe 2009. It was yeah, it was, it was about. Okay. I reckon it was probably 2008 maybe even because I can remember actually being sat at Yorkshire in the offices and uh, one of my work experience people actually said, "Have you heard about this Twitter thing?" And I was. Kind of like yeah, yeah right, and then within about a year from there, we had about ten thousand followers on Twitter for Yorkshire, and it's now about one hundred and sixty thousand, something like that. So cap caught on quite quickly, but yeah, it came from left field Twitter, and I, I mean, I just just on that, I can remember. I don't think this is naming and shaming him really. I, I won't mention the name actually, but the uh, player came in 
after a, a disappointing performance. And then he tweeted the following morning, come on then, lads, let's go for this and let's get back on track. And then the Yorkshire Post had actually taken his quotes and put them in the uh, in the article about the cricket match. And he came in to see me in the offices and said, James, they've taken my quotes off Twitter. And I said to him, well, Twitter's public. You know, everything you say on Twitter can be, as, as we're seeing at the moment, we'll come on to that. Everything you say on Twitter can be reported by anybody because it's a, basically a written quote. They can just cut and paste it and put it into the article. But it, it kind of shows the naivety, Sunday in those early days of some of the players and how they, they tackled social media and some people came up came unstuck didn't they yeah definitely I think it's it's just the awareness there wasn't any everyone's tweeted their mates when they've put something on slagging somebody off or something everyone's involved or done something slightly wrong that they shouldn't have done on social media but it's just like nowadays you're taught about it through the PCA about these sort of things so they come in and I remember uh, early years with Northlands PCA come in and did a presentation about it all and they'd gone through the lads' Twitter feeds and picked off a few borderline tweets, if you like, and then put them on a big screen in front of all the lads. Everyone had a good laugh about it, but it did open your eyes to think, oh, they've just gone on without my consent, basically, and just taken it, and they could have put that anywhere, the PCA, couldn't they? So that's how easy it is for someone to get a hold of something that you've said, even if it is in 2008 or whenever it is. But the PCA are good at getting this information out there to younger players, so I think there should be aware of it you can't, still can't control what they're going to put but do, do the club not give any guidance either I'd imagine it was in the club's interest to uh, nowadays yeah. Yeah, yeah nowadays they tell you off we're like our media man will, will be in thing if you put something James. slightly Someone like James would come in. Someone like James, yeah. We've got an Aussie Aussie bloke in at the minute. Can't do an Aussie accent, it can't be me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to try either. (laughs) How, so this will be the kind of thing, the PCA will come in and talk to you. Presumably the PCA are coming in and talking to professional cricketers at various clubs about quite a lot of things. And this is, I guess like in any place of work, you'll have training courses and you'll have things like this. It strikes me that it would be quite easy if you weren't minded to take it seriously, not to take it seriously and to kind of think of it as a thing that you just have to go through and then you can get on with what you might think is your real job how seriously is it taken within team environments yeah you're probably right nobody nobody wants to sit in a especially cricketers who are sportsmen don't really want to sit in a classroom environment and listen to someone talk about twitter for an hour like everyone seems to think that they've got it handled and they know what they're doing of course like nobody wants to do that they want to be out there hitting balls or bowling and stuff but it's a part of it now and um, it's something that you've just you've got to do as a professional cricketer it's part and parcel of it well, let's, let's come back to that subject a little bit later. Um, but Dan, any questions for, for Sunday? As a, a youngster coming through, what sort of stage did it, it get to where you thought, yeah, I could really make a career out of this? What level, what sort of age group did you get to where you thought, you yeah, know, this is going quite well for me? Um, and to touch on a point that Phil made earlier, when you first got that exposure to the professional setup, was it a little bit of a kind of a, a shock to see other lads as good as yourself? Were you sort of sheltered from people who were as good as you? Because I'm guessing that you were kind of, like James said, you were a standout in your your teams and your leagues and what you were playing in. Um, was, was it quite... A, a shock to see where you were based against the other lads of your age at first it was when I was really young I didn't start playing for Yorkshire until like late in the year in under 13 sort of cricket I was I was there and thereabouts at, at that sort of level but I was I always felt that I was a little bit or not as good as some of the other lads that was were there at the time um, I remember a, a bowler Craig Fletcher do you remember him James yeah. well I think his dad played county cricket as well didn't he um, Stuart wasn't it yeah Stuart that's yeah. right yeah I remember him being like he was he was the bee's knees at 
under all the way through under 12s to right the way through to sort of academy where he kind of just didn't really kick on from that but he was always one that stood out to me that was like oh my god he's he's 10 times better than what I am this is that's the sort of level I've got to try and get to sort of thing so yeah you're probably right there and then the next instance was probably going up to first team the jump up from second team to first team cricket which he then at the time when I met my sort of debut bowling at Benkenstein and Divinu at Durham it's a bit of a bit of a shock to the system when you bowl a decent ball and they crunch it for four through the covers How do you find the dressing room in the first initial period is that quite daunting to go from sort of well literally from from boys to men um, Yeah a little bit but I think Yorkshire do it quite well up there they um, so as soon as you sign your it was junior professional at the time I think it was or scholarship with the first one you jump up to the academy and, and junior professional but as soon as you get your academy contract you're you're on the pre-season tours yeah with the full first team and you're in training with them all the time so you're around them straight away from a young age so you kind of just I was a lad that just kept quiet-ish and like sort of spoke when spoken to kind of kind of thing bit like oh my god that's Michael Vaughan at first and Mags is sat in the corner taking the piss out of you and you just sink your head and just take it but yeah it was it was was quite scary at first but they are they were quite welcoming I remember Sunday when my first day at work Ian Bishop who was the commercial manager at the time brought me in to introduce me to the cricket team and there was the whole Yorkshire squad in front of me you were probably there and he basically said James this is the Yorkshire squad I mean what are you supposed to do with that you got Darren Goff stood there you got Matthew Ogar stood there Craig White Anthony McGrath you're thinking yeah I know who these people are um, Philip you were going to come in I was just going to ask arising from Dan's point about well really from that discussion is do you think bowlers are perhaps a bit more sensitive to the competition than, than, than batsmen are certainly I look at my son and his peers and he's a bowler and there's a lot they're very hard on themselves uh, they have a bad over you know they, they feel it and and generally it seems the best of them are the ones that can sort of fend that particular demon off uh, I, I wonder if you find bowlers are a bit more sensitive and a bit more self-critical than perhaps batsmen are uh, I think it's just the personality of who it is really I know there's now there's competition at North Ant, you see a lot of players that are a bit put themselves under pressure, if you like. Like you say, they um, they bowl a couple of bad balls and they're thinking, "All oh, right, a couple of excuses come out." But yeah, it's like from what I've seen, like the, the, around the circuit, the best bowlers they just turn around and, and go again. Like it's not, yeah. it's as if like, like I do it, I try and do it myself. I sometimes fail and get a bit angry, but you try and just turn around and start again once it's once it's gone wrong. There's nothing you can do about that. It's 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 hard to do, and it, I, I guess it comes with experience as well. With that, you do tend to see the younger lads get very angry. Do you, as the, so the experienced pro in that dressing room, address that with some of the younger guns, or, or is that not really your role? Uh, I've said it to, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, Brandon Glover, who's the Dutch South African who's playing for us at the minute. It's quite very quick. He's a nice bowler. Gets When he gets it right, he's, he's unbelievable. But some cracking like, Dutch bowlers around at the moment he gets it wrong in the nets and he gives himself such a hard time swearing and angry kicking the floor and stuff like that I've mentioned it to him sometimes yeah just need to chill out mate just <laughs> chill out and go back like but it's part and parcel of who he is really it's how he it gets him going sometimes sometimes makes you bowl better sometimes makes you bowl worse Let's, let's move into the county championship then in this last week. And uh, Sunday, you were playing against Kent, weren't you? Uh, in your group game, ended up a draw. How did you find that game? Very flat up until that <laughs> last day, really. <laughs> until Steve got hold of the ball. It was a game we were targeting, really, but got ruined a little bit by that day off in the middle. So it's, it was a shame because we were in a pretty strong position. And I don't think it would have 
ended the way it did if we had a full game down there. You, you mentioned Safe Save already today, but he's a, a youngster that's actually uh, you know, getting a few headlines, isn't he? Some some really good performances from him um, and impressing a few people. Has he impressed you? Yeah, he's class. Since he's been there for longer than I have, I think Safe was on the staff when I first started. He's always had all the shots and talent in the world, and like never really knuckled down and used it, if you like. Yeah. So I don't like sort of mentality, but this year is really coming to his own and just settled down and actually batted properly. Like you can't, you can't get him out. Like he gets, he's one of those that it's like if he. That's not a bad trick to get. Yeah, he, he like he used to give you his wicket all the time. The frustrating, he'd get a classy twenty and then just chip one up in the air or run past one if the spinner was on. But but now he's really knuckled down and wants to score big runs. So it's 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 amazing to watch and his talent is. Like the ceiling for his talent is so high. Like his T20 is class as well. He's got every shot, hits it 360. Hopefully, see some more fireworks from him in the T20 as well. Look forward to that. Look forward to that. I mean, in group three, which is your group, you've got Lancashire on top. They lost in this last week. Yorkshire won their game. Another thriller at Headingley. There's been plenty of those this season. Northants in third there, Sando. You're not that far behind, are you really? 110 points. Yorkshire on 122. Lancashire and Yorkshire still got to play each other. So I guess you're still thinking you can come up on the rails there. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, we've got Yorkshire in the next game, Angle Morgan, the game after that. So it's two huge games for us. The cricket we've played, we've we've had a couple of off sessions. So we had one bad session against Lancashire, which put us well behind the eight ball and almost batted out the day for the draw there. But it's that fight that we want to see as a team to try and bat a full day with six wickets left. And I think we were, what, 12 overs shy on the on the last day. So it was a fantastic effort from the team to do that against such a such a good attack, which Lancashire have. And then obviously the Yorkshire game as well. well I was going to mention that because I was watching the end of that on the streaming and obviously I was rooting for Yorkshire, but I was thinking about you at the same time, having known you at Yorkshire and to lose by one run and you were at the striker's end, weren't you? It's that, that must have been really heart-wrenching. Yeah, I thought, well, as soon as I'd survived that last ball off Duan there, I thought, oh, we've nailed this. Now we've got one run to get. Um, Parney's on strike. He'll, he'll hit one and we'll just run or something like that. We'll, we'll get it. And then Pato comes up with that ball to just find the edge was just gutting, really. Like, proper game of cricket. Or, like, it was... Punches thrown all the way through the game. It's a proper game of county cricket. Even as you say, even Glamorgan are probably still with, in with a sniff, aren't they? Of getting a top two berth there. Um, let's move on to Group One, uh, which is ridiculously poised. Warwickshire 120, we've got Essex on 118, we've got Nottinghamshire 115, Durham on 111, and even Worcestershire 97 can still sneak in there. Knuckle. People are knocking the conference system, and I don't think there's that many of them, to be fair. But look at Group One; that is just a t- that, that is just thrilling stuff. I was just about to say, I don't know that I've heard that many people knocking the conference system. I think those who I've spoken to actually have a strong opinion about it, which isn't just let's wait and see uh, how it turns out. It has made the first these first eight and nine rounds of the county championship have been fantastic. Uh, the bits that have been possible because of the weather, every game has felt to use Ben's words, a proper game of cricket. Everything's had something riding on it. Every session has been hard fought because those those points are hard to come by. Um, the incentive to bat, to try and bat out for the draw, or to try and scrap for everything you can. You know, Kent declare, declaring behind to try and make a game of it at the weekend. Those really close finishes at Yorkshire and, and a whole bunch of other fixtures. I think it's what it's... And the fact, obviously, allied to that, the fact that everyone can see it now, everyone can watch 
every game if they want to. I thought at the start of the season, oh, this is quite interesting, and this actually could be, it could mean fewer dead games, you know, late in the season remains to be seen, but I think it's been fantastic. Um, and having a little block of it as well, having a fairly sizable block actually of it before the test matches and the international cricket took everyone's attention, as it will do, I think has definitely helped with that. You know, let's stick with this format. I don't know that this is going to happen, but stick with this format for a few years and see what happens. Yeah, let, let it breathe, let it let it prosper. I mean, Sunder, the only, the only the only criticisms I've heard have been people who said in that last part of the group phases, when you kind of shift into your next divisions, if you are in the second or in the third, they're effectively dead rubbers. But I mean, I always come back with, well, there are dead rubbers anyway in the county championship. How disappointing would it be for you not to get in that top tier and be in division two? We'll be good if we we don't make it. I mean. We put in so much hard work in that first, what was it, eight games. We will be good, like especially the games that we've played, like the Yorkshire game thing. Just you always, if we don't end up winning it or going into that top group, we'll just look back at that game and go, oh, God, one run and we missed out by five points or something like that. Or the so it's, like, it's almost like missing out on goal difference or something. And, 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 and yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Northland's had it in the past where we've missed out on promotion to Div 1 by one point, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and not... And at Knotts, we were minus four on over it. So we got minus four, oh no, minus five, sorry, minus five on over it. So we got the minus five penalty points. That don't start me, don't start me off on over eights. No sympathy with you at all on over eights. So you get, <laughs> get, get your asses in gear and get back to your mark and bowl that cricket ball. County Championship Group Two, and that's a tight one as well. 119 Somerset, we've got 109 for Gloucestershire, Hampshire on 109 as well, 101 for Surrey, 93 for Leicestershire as well. They're the teams in contention there. And Dan, um, we haven't talked to you on this podcast about how you found the conference system, but as we've just kind of gone through those groups, they're set up rather nicely, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, lots of teams have got lots to play for. Like Knackle said, I think it's really good that every team is is playing for something. It must be great from a from a professional's point of view, Ben, that everyone starts out at the start of the season having a chance to win the county championship, which is something that obviously wasn't um, in place when we had the the divisional structures. Yeah, I'm just looking down Group Two now. Somerset leading the way again. They're going to be there or thereabouts, you'd think, as they always are. Probably more likely thereabouts than there, if anything, in the past is to go by. But yeah, this uh, the the last few round of fixtures. Once we get going again after the the one day block, is going to be really interesting, and it'll be interesting to see how the teams just on the periphery are going to come through as well because um, it's, it's almost going to be like a, a, a bit of a restart, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, I really, again, nothing but praise for the for the tier system. I think it's really good. So, no, I mean, we, we are seeing, I mean, Somerset towards the top of their division. We are seeing the teams that were towards the top end of Division 1 still having some success. And that's going to happen because they are the better size. That's why they're towards the top end of Division 1. But do you see it if, if Mackle gets his way and this kind of goes on for sort of three, four, five seasons? Do you see some of these other counties, the Leicestershire's of this world? Yeah, maybe just kind of taking a little bit of, a boost from the fact they are playing these different teams and they do have a chance at the start of the season yeah definitely it's, um, four day cricket is massive if you get on a roll in four day cricket it tends to tends to keep going if you like in terms of victories and your players confidence especially if you beat one of the bigger teams that helps massively for confidence in your team and stuff but like I say I like it you could end up seeing the Premier League upset like Leicester winning the Premier League it could be Leicestershire winning the county championship in two years time like that, that, that would be an even, on, on, re, on recent performances that would be an even bigger upset wouldn't it well, well they won the last two aren't they they're creeping up the table so who knows but like I say it's, it just gives everybody an opportunity like I say at the start of the season we've got a chance of winning the county championship and that's that's got to be good for everybody but if you look at it this season Warwickshire got relegated a few years ago. Gloucestershire have only just, well, they were meant to get promoted to Division 1 until COVID 
COVID happened. Lancashire hasn't been a serious force in the county championship for a long time. You're very much in touch at uh, North Ants. Hampshire are very much in touch. Durham, not that far off the top of Group 1. So it, it's there's really only Derbyshire and Middlesex and maybe Sussex and Kent who are properly out of it now, which given that we've played eight games, some team nine is pretty impressive. Yeah, really bubbling up the uh, county championship. Look forward to that as it continues for the rest of the season. Obviously, the T20 Plus just around the corner as well. But we hinted at it earlier and we talked amongst ourselves in our WhatsApp group about whether we should uh, talk about Tweetgate or whether we're going to call the Ollie Robinson uh, test match stuff. And we thought we couldn't really go through this week without referring to it at, uh, at some stage. And it's, I mean, we've already talked a lot about, about social media training and how pitfalls of that. But I mean, I, th- I guess the first question is, should something that you tweet as an 18 year old be held against you when you are 27. I think Ben made the point that it is a public platform and I think you should do yourself the favour of imagining and writing and tweeting as though your words matter and as though they do have an impact on whoever might read them. Yeah, he was 18, but he was an adult. He was, I think he was a second team cricketer at the time, Ollie Robinson. I don't think the that statute of, li- statute of limitations rather uh, can be applied as a blanket thing. And in theory, at least, kids and teenagers are supposed to be more open-minded and, and less set in their ways in uh, in that regard. What I will say about, we're not making this podcast about the Ollie, this is not the Ollie Robinson Fallout podcast, but as far as we can tell from what he said and the way he said he is genuinely contrite and it's a genuine apology it wasn't an i'm sorry you're offended it wasn't a i'm sorry please stop talking about this but the ecb have have said we're we're pulling him out of the limelight while we get this investigation done that after the next test match against new zealand there isn't another test match till august he isn't a realistic prospect for the the white ball series so the handling of it from that point of view i think is about as good as it could have been and i'm encouraged by the fact that there is genuine contrition which we haven't always seen in in these cases um i mean yeah, knuckle just to play devil's advocate on that is it genuine or was it um was it forced upon him because obviously my previous role as a media manager you tend to find that if a player releases a statement it's the media manager that writes it and the player then signs it off don't you think that the ecb basically wrote that statement and said to Ollie robinson this is what you have to do here well Sure, but he certainly read it with some kind of sincerity, and we know because of his past in terms of being released as a young as a young guy from Yorkshire, getting sacked from Yorkshire for unprofessional behaviour repeatedly, and he's turned that around. There is a seriousness to him, and there is a growth to him that we've seen in other aspects. I am at this point again. You can never know from the outside. Uh, I think people imputing intent from this from the outside who don't know Ollie Robinson. That's not helpful here, as far as I can tell. It was contrite. And he genuinely realised that what he'd done was not, and what he'd said was not acceptable. I think the fact that England have, have taken that route as well. You saw Joe Root say it after the Test match. We heard during the Test match that the ECB were trying to take it seriously, and the whole thing with the T-shirts. Yes, it's for public um, consumption. They and they're doing it with a with a view on their public reputation. But that's what a public reputation is for. You're supposed to meant to want to look good. You're supposed to present yourself in a and and to want to be seen to be doing the right thing. So I think that you know people have been talking quite rightly about some. Of the things that the ECB have got very, very wrong with, we've whether the Azim Rafiq investigation or uh, Ismail Darwin and John Holder. But the other side to that is just because you've done the wrong thing before doesn't mean you have to keep doing the wrong thing because uh, for fear of um, for fear of that. It, it, the point at which I think I think I'd like to bring, bring Ben and by almost you don't have to. Um, to answer this, if you don't feel comfortable doing so, we talked about social media education. How much anti-racism education is there going on? And 
um, I guess unconscious bias training would be the other way of doing it, uh, would be the other phrase that I'd, I'd use. How much of that is there from, from the PCA and from, I don't actually know if cricket has an equivalent to kick it out, but but similar groups like that. How much are players aware of the, the need to be not just not racist, but anti-racist? Um, I, I know the, the PCA have done stuff on the past about it. Um, and I know now they're looking deeper into it, but since everything sort of got brought into the limelight last year, they've been ringing around everybody around the counties really that and asking questions, I think, about how to go about it. Uh, we, we, had a set of, we had a group chat where somebody came on and talked to us about discrimination basically and I think it went well I think it went well like it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation isn't it to have when you've got a mixed group of lads in the dressing room it's it, when you're talking about this stuff it can make quite a lot of people uncomfortable but I think it's got to be done out there in county cricket we've only got to strive to be better so in terms of being 18 and maturing and, and now reaching 27 I mean on the basis of what I've seen of Ollie Robinson which hasn't been a lot because he came into the Yorkshire side just after I, I left the place he does seem to be a completely different beastie these days because I've heard stories about him at Yorkshire and it was a bit unruly and you know, as Knuckles said the ill disciplines once he'd left Yorkshire and he went to retrain himself and then joined Sussex and he praises Jason Gillespie's input there he's obviously worked very hard to make himself into the cricketer he is so he's, he's a very much more certainly in cricket terms he's a mature more mature individual yeah, definitely. I would say I, I didn't. I don't know what it was like at Yorkshire. I'd like say I only heard stories and rumours about him, but I can't comment on something that I never saw or heard. But having played quite a lot against him over the last three, four years, it's like I've never seen any issues on the pitch or or off it really with him. He's, he's quite a nice lad to talk to about bowling, and we've had a few chats on the pitch, normal chats, but not even seen him shout at an umpire or anything like that. To be honest. Like with a bad decision, so he's definitely changed his ways if it was all bad at Yorkshire. Don Best got called up into the England squad today, and I tweeted that I thought that was a good move. Other people might disagree with that comment, but somebody um, sent me a tweet to show me a previous Don Best tweet, which was an anti-Robin Van Persie, and not, not particularly nice language, but I didn't think it wasn't a hangable offence, put it that way. There has to be a line somewhere. I mean, you're, you're, you've got a legal background here, but there has to be a line somewhere, and it's where you draw that line, isn't it? And I guess that's subjective, and it's this is why this is such a big subject, and there are so many grey areas, and it's not binary. You know, people like to paint people as evil or good, don't they? There's a lot of yeah. stuff in the middle of, of this. But where, where do we draw that line? Because... What is racist and what is acceptable, or what is what is bigotry and what is not bigotry? Yeah, well, I mean, it's something the courts have struggled with for years, and it's certainly pertinent to the, the, there's recent case law on this subject. Um, the last case that I read on, on the matter was that there is no bright line between public and private, and, and that really comes from the fact that being a professional cricketer and, and the privilege that comes with it has responsibility that comes with that as well and those responsibilities are reputational you're representing your county your club your team uh, you're representing yourself but you're also representing the effectively the profession other cricketers as well and and there has to be a level of self-policing there has to be a level of self-regulation to have that privilege, and I'd imagine, uh, Ben, it, it is a privilege to be a cricketer. You might, there, there'll be days it doesn't feel like it, but I, I mean, I'd like to think it is a privilege. And you and your colleagues would presumably just, look just, on, for, just for listeners. Ben was nodding then. Yeah, uh, uh, you, you and your colleagues would presumably think if someone brought your, and I'm not commenting about Bess or, or Robinson and this, if someone brought the, your the reputation of your profession into disrepute, you'd like to think that someone would uphold that standard and 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 protect the reputation of your profession yeah definitely I think most people like you said we're talking about a small minority and, and people that have done stupid things but like I say you'd like to think that they've got themselves 
and their family as well into that, not just the, the cricket. Like Robinson will be distraught. I'm sure he, he's gutted and just wants to dig a hole and jump in it at the minute. But it's something that, again, there needs to be education about it more and probably like say like James said there needs to be a line drawn by ECB and code of conduct and stuff like that that says you can't cross this line or there'll be punishments or something along those lines which I'm sure there is somewhere in the code of conduct that we well, I mean, there are specific code of conduct violations for well this is on field stuff but you know there is a specific I think it's a level three and level four event about saying yeah. anything racist or racial or um, anything related to sexism or homophobia or religion on field um, I'm not sure how far that extends to to social media but it, you could certainly make a very good case that it would cover other that it would come under the same thing because you know when you are using you know we said it right you're tweeting publicly you know this isn't it, people see this and, and you should, I think, do yourself the favour of, of taking your own words seriously and, and writing them as though they matter. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Together, we save balls. How, how conscious of you are you as a player that you are effectively always on duty to a degree, aren't you? Because yeah, you, you go down the pub on a Friday night with a few mates, but you're still Ben Sunderson, the North Hans cricketer, aren't you? If you tweet after a couple of sherries on a on a Sunday, you're still Ben Sunderson, the cricketer. You might be well away from Wanted Road, but you're still going to be viewed as Ben Sunderson, the cricketer. Um, yeah, sometimes you you are. I'm lucky enough to live in Leicester rather than Northampton, so probably not as well known up here. If if I am well known in Northampton, but yeah, you, you probably are aware of it, but I'm I'm one that tends to struggle to write tweets anyway. I'm always asking if I do write a tweet, even if it's of praise to somebody, I'm always showing it to someone. Does that read all right? Or always getting someone to check what I'm, I'm writing, mainly for spelling as well. That but. Count, count to 10. Yeah. The thing that might drive some change here is actually the, um, the, the brand issues and the financial implication of I mean, if if we take the Robinson situation this week, if the ECB hadn't acted in the way that they did, and I don't say whether it's right or wrong, there are rules they're following. Having new sponsors cinch all over the uh, the, the current shirt, would that be jeopardised if the ECB had not dealt with it? And is that what's effectively going to drive through the change or, or, or the put in place the process we need to drive the change through? Definitely a... Um a major factor that is sponsorship, even in the county. So we've not North Ants, we've had issues with stuff that's gone wrong with players involved with sponsors and they went with the sponsor on, on that occasion, which is was fair enough. 
like they're, they're quite a big sponsor, chucking a lot of money to the to the club. So it definitely has a major effect on their decisions when it comes down to that sort of stuff. PR on and stuff like that is sponsorship. It's commercial. It's all. It's just what's right and wrong in it at the end of the day as well. So it's uh, it's, it's it's a very complicated area. And in many ways, the ECB were damned if they did and damned if they didn't. Really, in, in terms of what they their reaction to the Ollie Robinson stuff when they but, don't, uh, don't really see what other option they had. No, no, than, exactly. than suspension pending investigation. You know, he'll still be able to play for Sussex, which I'm sure is I'm sure. Um, other people in Sussex, other batters in Sussex's group aren't looking forward to particularly. I mean, that, that's a point. Um, knuckle, that's a point. Knuckle though. The um, some previous. I mean, the Azim Rafiq's thing when he he, he criticised an under England under nineteen coach. He got banned from all cricket for a month. Ollie Robinson gets allowed back to Sussex to play and continue as per normal. There. I mean, there, there we are. There, I find that I, I very think, hard to I, work out. I think sometimes the thing that gets me isn't the actual incident itself, and we can all have an opinion on the incident itself. It's the inconsistencies and in the way things are dealt. with with. And you mentioned the Rafiq stuff, the Holder and Darwood stuff. There are incidents where the current incidents of racism. And I, I watched the, the fallout from the Ollie Robinson thing with all that kind of page of his tweets. And some people actually were saying, I can't see the problem here. I don't know what the problem is. You just get on with it, get on with it, and let the lad play. And then he got a round of applause as he walked out onto the pitch at Lords the other day, which is almost like celebrating the villain rather than celebrating the. Uh... I don't think there are many circumstances in which an England cricketer walking out at Lords wouldn't get a round of applause. I'm not to suggesting. Be I'm not suggesting people boo him, but I don't. He got an extra round of applause. It was a little bit, a few decibels up because it was almost like, we're going to show support for you. Uh, maybe. I don't. The, the argument's free speech, isn't it? That, that, that's well, the argument that's and also, and also he'd done well I don't want to read too much into you know a few extra people clapping a bit louder for whatever because that might not be that relevant but in terms of as I said earlier just because you have done the wrong thing in the past doesn't mean you have to keep doing the wrong thing you would hope even if it is sparked by if not financial as Phil was saying then desire a desire to enhance one's reputation and to be seen to be doing the right thing which is important that visibility is important Absolutely. that sending a message is important important that's why the ecb uh, yes you can argue it's a bit cynical but why england and new zealand were wearing the t-shirts to begin with because there is a message worth sending there i do wonder also if it's perhaps um they've been criticized by ebony renford brent and michael holding in in very for not taking the knee for as long as they could have done and i do wonder if if some of that is uh, is, is behind it as well that someone at the ecb has realized that we probably didn't do as much as we could have done um and we have to redouble our efforts um this year i do think ben is right though there's no way that this would be we'd be, be talking about this in the same terms if the global response to the black lives matter protests and the murder of george floyd hadn't been uh, hadn't been as big as it was dan it's a big subject we're going to give you the final word of you've been very quiet all the way through have you got any opinions that you want to bring to us something that we haven't touched on yet i think we're talking about ollie going back to play for sussex i think it's key to point out that he hasn't been charged with anything yet the whole the position we're in at the minute is the suspension is to get him out of the way while things are investigated you know i think it, it would set a precedent if it was you know if he was banned from all all cricket while that investigation took place then he's he's in a, he's in effect guilty without having all the effect you know all the um all the all the information in place i do think it will be a point that we look look back on in a few years time i think where we realize that players i, I can see players becoming a lot more um sort of scared of using social media and i, I was going to ask uh, ben earlier on if if it's tempting to just get rid of everything and i, I guess that in situations like that, it brings it closer than ever to get to that point. But I think, you know, he's, everyone deserves a, uh, I'm not the person I was when I was 18. I'm sure we all 
did you know silly things well not to that level well, i don't think i don't think there's many of us done that if if the um media investigated our lives and found everything <laughs> most of us would be embarrassed wouldn't we? Um, there, but there's a there's a level of and there is a question of the actual content i certainly tweeted some you know nonsense football opinions or whatever when i was or you know or some or whatever when i was 18 who do you support uh, knuckle personally i'm an arsenal fan m- m- most comments on arsenal are nonsense knuckle. <laughs> well that's a, that's also true but i do i want it if i think if not, Ben, I mean, would would you say that, that this is fair? That people will be quite a lot more careful about what they post if they have any desire to be in the public eye or to do a public job at some point down the line. And it might it might just make people. Maybe this is being naive to ask if this will make people again, as as Phil used the phrase, count to ten. Yeah, you've just got to accept if, like, obviously the younger generation use social media a lot more than the older generation, so it's. If you're going to use it, you've just got to accept that you're going to get some good press and you're going to get some bad press from it. But like I say, it's, it's, you've still got to be careful what you put out there and you're responsible for what you put out there. I have been tempted to delete Twitter a few times, but like I say, I've just held back and almost use it just as a cricket thing rather than tweeting my mates now and tweeting opinions about other things that I don't really know much about. So it's took me probably away from just tweeting about everyday life and things you see in the news and stuff like that. So it's took me away from that. From from what you've said, Sandra, you just need to be careful about who you ask to check your tweets, don't you? Just make sure. Yeah, that's, that's my stand. <laughs> Let, let's finish today's podcast. We were supposed to have Anthony McGraw on last week and Mags had a croaky throat. He phoned me in the morning on Monday and he wasn't faking that. That was a proper croaky throat. So Mags is going to come on uh, further down the line. So he was supposed to post you a question and that never happened. So you've got away scot-free with that one. But you do have to post a question for our guest next week, which is the Durham record wicket taker. Now, Chris Rushworth. If Ben Sonderson is going to ask Chris Rushworth a question at the start of next week's podcast, what would you ask him? Oh, it'd be, uh, what time can you meet me at some cricket ground and teach me all your skills, please? That's what I'd be asking him. But... <laughs> <laughs> I would pay good money to watch that. A bowl off between you and Chris Rushworth. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Get him to North Ends. Ask him if he wants to sign at North Ends. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. That's the first thing. Can you coach Ben Sanderson? And second one, can you sign for North Ends? They're, they're the two questions to ask right. at the start of next week's podcast. Thank you very much, as always, gentlemen. That's the end of this week's podcast. Ben Sanderson, it has been a pleasure to uh, catch up with you and to have you back on the podcast again. Good luck for the rest of the season to you and to North Ends. Hope it goes well. Good luck with all of that. Cheers, mate. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Knuckle and Phil and Dan, thank you for being on Knackle Panday on the Fan Badgers. We'll return in the future for future editions. As we've just said, it will be Chris Rushworth, the uh, Durham leading wicket taker now. He will be our guest on next week's podcast. Look forward to talking to him and look forward to welcoming you back again next week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again then. Podcast Network.